0: All right, you have a new uh, sheet in front of you. It's got the, kind of in the middle of the page, the Pax Domini, which is the Peace of the Lord, and towards the bottom, it has the Agnes Dei, the Lamb of God. Um, so you got this sheet, I've got one more sheet, and... Uh, we'll complete our, our study, so we're getting, we're getting close. Taking a look last time, we took a look at the words of institution. In particular, let's see here, we started off by uh, comparing the service book uh, with the order of the mass as it had been. Uh, Done. We saw that there was uh, what's called the Canon of the Mass, which is the uh, order, the regular order of seven different prayers and all kinds of things. And we saw that uh, that was taken out. Luther and his suggestions for the German, then the Latin Mass, uh, removed all of those. He left for us the Lord's Prayer and the words of institution, Uh, These things that all went away, every Lutheran uh, hymnal group uh, from there on out left it that way until the last 50 years or so, uh, uh, that thought maybe we could rewrite some of that and and stick it back in. We saw that Luther had taken these out for various reasons, he took out the offertory, Uh, that would be the offerings of bread and wine and this and all. Um, Yes, I mean, every one of these has a historical precedent. That is, uh, the people used to bring their offerings, just as we do, and whatever they brought, bread and wine, they would use that for Lord's Supper, absolutely. Uh, Nevertheless... We said, do we need all of these things? And so as we went through, we talked about the various uh, parts that had been included. Uh, and we saw it really ought to all be governed by the words of institution. That is, what is our Lord telling us? I've got a explanation of the uh, divine service. It's in a kind of a catechetical format. I pull that out from time to time. Uh, As it is talking about the words of institution, it notes four different things. That's probably as good a way as any of speaking Mm -hmm. about it. It said, first of all, what do we have with the words of institution? Well, we have its use. What do you do? Uh, We take eat, we drink the all of it. There is an eating and a drinking and not parading around and not a sacrifice and not something else. That's what we are to do. We are to receive it. There is, too, a sacramental presence. What is there? What is it? This is my body. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. And so we confess that body and blood are present in, with, and under the bread and wine. What's the benefit of taking and eating and receiving this, our our Lord's body and blood, which is given for you, which is shed for many, for you and for many, uh, for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, that's our benefit, uh, that we might receive uh, the remission, the forgiveness of sins. There is a sacramental institution, that is, by the words themselves, and that's why we repeat those words and use those words. Those are not only the... Warrant the reason why we can do them, uh, but they also uh, are included in this do in remembrance of me. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Talks about this sacramental use. Of course we use the words, of course, but we're not done until we have bodily eaten and uh, drunk from uh, what the Lord has given us talks about the, uh, what we receive in it. When Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me, he commanded his people to follow his example, observing the sacrament, that is, by taking bread and wine, asking a blessing, giving an eating, and thus showing his death uh, till he comes. Today, as we go forward, and we're going to push on forward, especially as we get to the what's called the Pax Domini, the Peace of the Lord... Uh we're going to talk about a, a, a sacramental fellowship. What does the Lord teach us about this? Note, he teaches that by our communion with one Lord in the sacrament, we are brought into the closest fellowship with one another. For, says he, we being many are one bread and one body, we're all partakers of this one bread. The same thought is beautifully brought out in an ancient Christian writing called the teaching of the twelve apostles, belonging to the middle of the second century, is as follows. Even as this broken bread was scattered over the hills, was gathered together and became one, so let thy church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into thy kingdom, for thine is the glory and the power through Jesus Christ forever. This particular passage is quoted at the very end of the exhortation that, having been exhorted to take this in true faith, <coughs> uh, that also might be true for us that we are one. We'll talk about this this fellowship. So, finally, I guess uh, uh, complete last week. What do we need? Well, we need the words of institution. Luther's exactly right. Uh, do we need? A, uh, a a long prayer of, of thankfulness. Do we need to offer up ourselves with him to do? No, it takes away from the importance of what he has given to us. Do we need a prayer for epiclesis, say invocation of the Holy Spirit to change epiclesis to change this into? No, the Lord does that. Uh, yeah, we, we don't. Do we need a remembrance, a prayer of remembrance, and we gotta remember? Well, no, to do in remembrance is none other than faith, trusting that he's giving us his body And blood. We need to remember who he is and what he has done with these words of institution. So that's pretty well uh, uh, what we have with that. One other thing uh, that I uh, kind of didn't spend a lot of time, we talked about how Luther kept the Lord's Prayer and that that was used. Some uh, have noticed that we have, uh, with our, our transition, that we have two uh, actually renditions or recitations of the Lord's Prayer. What about this? Well, earlier I've talked to you about how uh, there, wasn't, uh, there, was, there wasn't the Lord's Prayer in the first part of the service, at least initially. Uh, Later, it was added, probably coming about due to that kind of devotion that was included in the pulpit. The pastor got into the pulpit and he would have a prayer, he might have the Lord's Prayer, he might have a couple other things, and then the sermon, and that was kind of included all with that. Uh, As Luther, as we modified the service of the Mass and Luther kept the Lord's prayer and used it in the communion service, you have it now being used in the service of the word as well as in the communion service that is true um, this is not unusual um, uh, there are some that have said, well, we could take one out, and that's true you know, this is not a, a thus says the Lord it has to be this way, but to give you some examples uh, one would be uh, simply the large catech or small catechism. In the small catechism where there is a prayer before, asking a blessing before, at the returning of thanks, there's a second rendition of of the Lord's Prayer. In connection with the prayers at the beginning of the day, you have the Lord's Prayer that is said, and then it's said at the end in connection with the uh, funeral service. You had the service at church, there was the Lord's Prayer, you get to the committal service, there is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is also used in connection with baptism. It's used in connection with confirmation. That may be before and then it follows after. Bishop Heiser includes a a couple of uh, quotes concerning this uh, Lord's Prayer. Dr. Schmucker cited twelve church orders which follow Luther's Formula Missa, the Latin Mass, in placing the Verba before the Lord's Prayer, and sixty or more which follow Luther's German Mass in placing the Lord's Prayer before the Verba, and that's why we include it in that place. He argued that the prayer should precede the Verba and be a prayer by the minister alone. And not a prayer of the people in their approach to the Lord's Supper because, and these are the reasons why it's it's done. So that which is done before at the end of the general prayer, we all say together. That which is done in connection with communion, it's not in LW, but it is in this one. Uh, the pastor speaks the words, and at the end the people then uh, sing. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Yes, they're praying along, but... As with the words of institution, only he is saying them. Why? The great majority of the agenda have it this order. Two, a number of the agenda which at first had the verb of proceed later changed the order to confirm the general practice. So pretty well everyone went to this uh, way of doing it. Three, because the authors and revisers of the agenda evidently regarded the use of the Lord's Prayer here as an act of (coughs) benediction... (laughs) though not consecration, that is, it isn't our uh, prayer that makes things happen. It is a benediction, as in baptism, confirmation, ordination. The Lord's Prayer in this place represents the Eucharistic blessing by Christ of the elements, the words of which are not given in the Scripture. So we don't know what words he used, but we do know that he prayed this prayer. And finally, the use of the prayer after the consecratory words of institution separates the consecration and distribution, uh, which is something Christ did not uh, do. Uh, Six, if any prayer of humble acts be used, it could precede the consecration. Anyway, that's why it is done in that particular way. It is isn't intended to be a uh, praying that you might give us this daily bread that we might hallow God with these words. So uh, that kind of puts that uh, together. The prayer, um, any questions? Let's move forward. The hox domini or uh, the peace of the Lord. Uh, this is what we have. After the uh, words of institution are said, Haks Domini, peace of the Lord, the pastor says, The peace of the Lord be with you always, and the people respond with an amen. Interesting, Luther kept this as well. Uh, It it was actually, as we saw before, words which the uh, priest said by himself, uh, kind of silently, uh, but. Uh, Luther kept it as a proclamation, as an announcement on your sheet in front of you. John 14, verse 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. These are the words of Jesus before or in preparation for his uh, Passover and going to the cross for them. This is words that he uh, spoke before about giving a peace. In John chapter 20, after Jesus has risen from the dead and on that Sunday night, he comes to to them and now he says to them, Then the same day at evening, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. So, uh, he's going to leave us and give us peace. Now we see that peace being given. Those are statements of fact. They are statements of fact, yes. When we get to the Lord's Supper, and now that Christ's body and blood are present upon the altar, and we are just about ready to receive it, these are the uh, words that are said. Why? Why? Here? Because the forgiveness gives us that peace. <coughs> yes, it does. There's a connection between the forgiveness and the peace. Peace. In Hebrew, it's the word shalom. In Hebrew and in the whole Old Testament, um, that word is used a lot. Used in a lot of different ways, but it's used a lot. Ever... Is this, I don't recall, but is this place in the service where some of the churches do the sharing of the peace? I'm going to get to that. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about the kiss of peace or the sharing of the peace once we hit this whole thing. But you're you're exactly right. Um, that that this is where it's stuck in. This is the uh, let call it the uh, Christian way of using the word peace. In comparison to world's way of saving peace. Correct. There is a difference, isn't there? Yes. Now, the general idea of peace is the absence of war. Unusual that you have to describe something as not being something else. But but that's beginning. And the Christian idea of peace is St. Stephen praying for forgiveness for his enemies as he stoned to death, which is not peace by any measure of the world. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so, if normally um, you need, I need a little peace and quiet, you know. In other words, everybody go away. It's the absence of... Conflict. Conflict. that, that get, That's what I mean by peace being where there's not the state of war. But, yeah, that's not the way... Christian understanding. We're not God's enemy. Oh. That's the peace. And then that is the fruit that she's talking about, of that peace, isn't it? So if we're talking about a peace that is in relation to others or we're talking about a peace in relation to the law of God towards us, um, that, oh, now I've got a, a different... Uh, uh, horizontal with one another or vertical with God. Well, that's us to say it's peace with God. It's, we're not at war with God. Or God's not at war, war with us. us. I was yeah. just yeah. going to ask. Yeah. Does it go to the other way? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's taking away the sin. Right. And I, I, think, I think that, that when, when, when the pastor speaks the words, the peace of. The, the peace of the Lord be with you. And we respond to that with amen. Now, what does that mean? so.
1: Yes, yes.
0: It's, no, it's, it's, a a. A. it's yeah. If we use Luther's definition of amen, which which is in the small catechism, which is what we should use, the pastor is just telling us a fact that God's peace is with us we say, Amen, which means, I believe that. And then we go out and wring our hands. <laughs> so how many times a day do we need to hear that? Well, a couple thousand maybe. Jake? It says he came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And then the what I think about it is we're all... Agreeing that Jesus is present with us in the body and the blood. Correct. Yep. Um, if this, oh, um, this is a statement of fact. This is a. He is present here. He has now come. It is Luther describes this as a a gospel acclamation, an absolution. Kind of an announcement, but an announcement that gives forgiveness. It also recognizes who then is present with us now that uh, we have have heard his words. On your sheet, I just noticed, um, I put a couple extra Bible passages here after I uploaded it. Um, So it it doesn't exactly agree. Uh, You've got two uh, passages that are included a little bit more. One is Ephesians 2. I think I stuck in there, which was from down here, and I put Isaiah. Uh, Get your pew Bible out and open that up to Isaiah 57. I got two passages we need to take a look at. 734. (laughs) 734. Isaiah, if you take a look at Isaiah 57, look over at um, page 735, go over to verse 18 or so. Uh, The prophet is supposed to go up, he's supposed to revive the spirit, revive the heart, he's supposed to give them the gospel over the uh, sinfulness that has happened to them. And then verse 7, I was enraged by his sinful greed, I punished him and hid my face in anger, yet he kept on in his willful ways. I have seen his ways, now the Lord says, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore comfort to him, creating praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud... Uh, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. What do we have? You need to speak out and speak to them and tell them peace. It's an explanation. Or it's an exhortation. It's telling them of what is 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 happening. If you take a look at Psalm 85, is the other one uh, that normally the Psalms expand on the things that are found uh, in that. If you go to page 585, Psalm 85, you get down to verse 7 and 8. Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. It says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints but let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. So once again, it's speaking of a proclamation. I'm going to, and Isaiah says, what's going to happen? I'm going to send, I'm going to come, and when I come, I'm going to give you the announcement of peace. This, peace of the Lord is that announcement Jesus is telling them ahead of time I'm going to go to the cross I'm going to suffer and I take your sins I'm going to give you a peace not the way the world has it it's going to be one in which you're going to have the forgiveness of sins well, the way the world has to have it is you got to push everyone away in order to get your peace in this one God says I'm not taking you out of the world I'm going to give you a peace so that as you walk through this world, you'll have peace. Yeah, around you, uh, um, things go on as it is. But you will have a peace that passes on. How can you Christians be so comforted? How can you have peace when, you know, your father died? How can you have peace when so-and-so has cancer? How can you have peace when you see the way things are going in This is the peace that comes with the forgiveness. It's not the absence of war, but it is the absence of the sinfulness. Once I know that I have things uh, uh, made right with God, then I begin to realize everything that happens to me is for my good. And God is working things out. So he's going to speak those words uh, that, that go with peace. Here he's telling us about it. But this, the peace of the Lord be with you, that is practically exactly John 20. What has happened? Jesus has just defeated death. Now what do we have? We have the body and blood of the risen Christ upon the altar, and here's the announcement uh, to us about his Forgiveness, what, what he is, uh, promising and what he is giving. That Ephesians 2 passage that you have, uh, under there, Paul is teaching about this and he says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, hath broken down the wall, middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, the hatred, even the law of commandments, containing ordinances, for to make in himself of two he makes one new man, and so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body on the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. And he came and here it is again, you might notice Peace comes through the preaching. It comes through the uh, announcement. It comes through the declaring of the word of God. He came and preached peace to those which were afar off and to them that were nigh. So we have this peace, the preaching of it, the announcement of it, and we have the very words that were used when Jesus rose from the dead. When we are receiving Lord's Supper do this in remembrance. I mean, what do we remember? He suffered and died for me and rose again. Ah. From this point, um, we we speak of forgiveness of sins again and again and again, but note, after uh, particularly in connection with Lord's Supper, this is the, the peace of the Lord be with you. Do you hear the words peace again from this point on in the service? The end, at the end. The, end the, and the, benediction, the, the, the ironic one? I'm sorry, do one of the benediction. At the very benediction, at the very end of the service, <coughs> you are sent away with peace. That's what I was saying, the ironic Well when you when you excuse it When we leave the table, you depart in peace. See, wow, um, you know, if, if there is any point, you know, as Jake said, what do I have? I've got the body and blood of the risen Christ for forgiveness right here. He's with us. And so if we say that the communion is the highest connection that we have or the closest connection we have, from this point on, it's as if all we can talk about is peace this is mm-hmm. just a language thing, but it says, it says, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them which were not. Does that mean the whole world? Is that yes, happening? it means the Gentiles as well as the Jews, the people that are close and the people that are far off. He brings them all together. They've now become one church. In Christ. In Christ. Mm-hmm. They become one. But that's, that's the end. That, I mean, everything with that is Peace. In fact, um, you know, after that, uh, the pastor often will come, shake hands, and say, The Lord's peace be with you, the peace of the Lord. This isn't the only time, though. We did have it mentioned once before in the service. It was said a pretty important part. Just a little bit. After the sermon? oh twice then I missed that part thank you right after the sermon there is a uh, a benediction of sorts it's an absolution confession and absolution it may, it may be more than I realize <laughs> there's like 30 of them we so uh, much. <laughs> I'm pretty sure and you think we're not listening right exactly. I don't think it's in the absolution and he's probably right you say the lord be with you sometimes and we say with your spirit yeah your, your evolution that's that yeah. the lord be with us and give yeah us peace. Well, you're preaching say peace, peace. you preaching, <laughs> preaching peace like you're supposed to be peace Apparently we hear it a lot, even when you're not actually saying the word. (laughs) Good. That's probably a good thing. You hear the word peace even when I don't say it. Okay, I can go with that. You better than you thought. No, you're going to kick yourself over this one, guys. (laughs) The high point of the service of the word is the glory and excelsis glory to God on high and on earth peace good will towards men so you have the high point of the service of the word with the glory and excelsis you now have with the connection with immediately after the words of institutions which are the high part the announcement of and the peace of the Lord be with you you have you have the peace Um, so those are the Uh, connections, uh, that we have, that we have with that. Because of that, that theology, because of all the teaching that goes with that peace, that is why when, uh, the Old Testament has a greeting and they greet someone and say, hey, how you doing? No, they say, shalom. Or the Hebrew word for peace. Peace. It is, a, uh, it is a greeting that, that <laughs> like our, our greeting here, it is a greeting that announces to them, in effect, this is our, uh, this is what we know. This is why, um, I am have a good day, the whole thing. <laughs> have a good day. I, I, you can say hi, you can say hello. It's kind of like, oh, I see you. But have a good day. You know, maybe you've seen some of these. You know, where where someone said, you know, well, who are you to tell me what kind of day to have? <laughs> you know, or uh, uh, there's another little thing. Uh, I saw a little thing that, that said, why don't you have a good day? I go, oh, why don't I? You know, yeah, because it's up to you. A lot of people say to me, have a blessed day. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the, I mean that's equals peace. Yes, yes. All of a sudden you kind of go, "Hmm, I know something's going on here." You know, that's that's not the uh not the usual um the uh Yes. So we often do that connection with our with our greetings because of of what we've had with God. Um you're going to yeah. It's such a good illustration, i got to say it, but you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Um, I went to Germany for a month after uh, seminary, and before I, I came to be a pastor here, we visited around, we went a lot of places. We were mainly down in, in southern Germany. And down in Bavaria and southern Germany, when you would greet someone as you would go along the way, uh, especially in the morning, uh, they would say, Gruß Gott, which means the greetings of God. Scott. Now, you know, you might know the German, you know, Guten Morgen, good morning, or Guten Abend, good evening, you know. And so I kind of, well, quickly I began to realize, well, that's not the greeting that, that that they used. So if you're trying to fit in, you tell someone God's greetings. You say, Gruskot. After about 20 days or so, well, we took a trip up to northern Germany. We were not only in northern Germany, but we were also in Berlin, in an in an urban city, and we were uh, uh, sitting down for a, a meal, lunchtime, and the uh, the waiter uh, came up, and so you know very nicely I I greeted her, you know, Grooscott, and and in German she she pretty well told me, you're uh, your. Ass. You're <laughs> in the city. Well. I went, okay. Obviously, we're not in Kansas anymore, are <laughs> we? Um, you know. I thought in Hamburg, when I went there, they said malt. Lunchtime, but it was like a casual greeting. Interesting. I don't know that one. I don't know that Did one. Did you get any further explanation about the waitress situation? She was having a um, I was told later that that was uh, that was pretty well. Com- In other words, I'm going to say the the greeting Bruce got. Was an old-fashioned rural kind of bumpkin thing, you know. We don't do that stuff. That's what Bavaria is. Yeah, and, that, you know. So, so whether it was just region or whether it also included a little, uh, yeah. we live in the city here and don't have, you know, we don't no. deal with God. Or how our deal um, with I God. don't know, but but the point being is that the connection between our uh, our peace with God and then our peace that we have with our neighbor. So, let me move also in. That being said, uh, there was a... I think I've already kind of mentioned to you about this sacramental fellowship, about how we come into closest fellowship, too, with one another. Because those who partake at the altar are to be agreement in doctrine and in practice... Uh, And so, we don't just have an open communion. It's not anybody comes. These are people who have been taught, who confess the truth, who are uh, uh, with us, holding to our Lord's words. And so we find uh, that uh, in our, our taking. There are... on to say, even after um, the peace of the Lord. Luther calls this benediction the gospel absolution. The hearts which have been uplifted in solemn thanksgiving and anticipatory welcome to the coming, one are possessed with his peace, cleansed, made ready for his reception. Here, anciently, the kiss of peace was found. Found their place in the liturgy. It was an outward token of cleansed hearts, that is, before God, and of perfect amity, perfect love uh, towards one another. Uh, even after this uh, benediction of the peace of the Lord, the church sensing the tremendous act before them, the reception, the approach of their Lord, their unworthiness, uh, their longing for a true communion, a worthy reception lifts up their hearts. And plea for mercy, plea for peace. His peace with pass us all understanding. That's going to happen with the Agnus Dei. We might uh, uh, get to that uh, today as well. The Lord, please. see if that shows up. Oops. Oh, it's not going to do it. Anyway, um not that last time? <laughs> 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 well, that's yeah. not good. It didn't appreciate <laughs> your commentary. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, <laughs> it's going to act up on me. All right. Um, this kiss of peace the peace of the Lord it was for a time historically done after the service of the word and you dismiss the catechumens and those that were not going to receive Lord's Supper were sent away all those who remained by means of this the peace of the Lord this peace that goes with them uh, they acknowledge their oneness it was something that was done for only for the believers. That being said, uh, I put up a, a, a picture uh, of a church that we went to in, in Missouri. And it was an old Presbyterian church, 1850 or something like that. Uh, there were two doors. Uh, doors here, doors here. They both go into the exact same sanctuary that same church why because you're going to hear the same word couldn't get them in by one door men and women (laughs) men and women is exactly what it was Um, the early church as well as Lutheran churches in America for a time the men sat on one side the women sat on the other this church actually had two separate doors (laughs) so that that could be accomplished when we talk about the kiss of peace, it was simply one done to another—a man to a man, a woman to the woman. It was an acknowledgment of this. It was moved later, uh, at this point—the point after the words of institution and and being done. At some point in history, I must say, 14th century or so, uh, unusual, they substituted a board. The board of the. I I kid you not, it was a wooden board. Board (laughs) I'd kiss it, and I'd give it to you, and you can kiss it. Wonderful You know, maybe I didn't like kissing you so much, you know. but, but But that was one of the ways in which they did it. What's interesting is that as they are looking at old practices, when they go, you know, they weren't so crazy about the common service, but they wanted to do some other kind of stuff, they said, let's go back and grab that thing, that thing called the kiss of peace, And then we will use it in in the service. Theologically, it makes sense. Theologically, that we recognize that there is, in connection with Lord's Supper, uh, as we are united with our Lord, we are also in communion, united with one another. Fabulous. In practice horrendous what yeah. I mean the, the the first thing is that we didn't dismiss those who are not members so it's not just the members that are one but people that were really not yet one with by teaching and practice the second thing is you know even though it was only a handshake what did it look like in the service it looked like reverence a pandemonium for oh, 60 seconds while people jump over the pews high-fiving each other. I mean, that wasn't that crazy, but I mean, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you kind of go, oh yeah, let's <coughs> get back to Lord's Supper. Forgot about that. Um, others then took that as an opportunity. Well, that's when we ought to have announcements. We ought to greet people. We ought to say, hey, visitors, how you doing? You know, and I'm like going, that? no, no, no. This was considered, I mean, uh, this was considered... an intimate act with other believers. And and it was far from that. It just turned into a big disruption. It did. It was like having intermission. Yeah, it was like intermission. Right, exactly. So anyway, that's the kind of thing that that you saw uh, in connection with that. Um, There are a lot of things that have Sometimes you add things literary. Sometimes you take it away. Uh, it's not that you go back and try to grab things, and it just it didn't work. Um, but that's that's what we had uh, in connection. I was going to show you a couple other things, but um, I think that'll serve the purpose of of hitting the uh, the piece. Let's keep going. How about the Agnes Day? Uh, Since it's not going to show up, I'll read it for you. Uh, Having had... Oh, uh, the other thing is that uh, the common liturgy changed it from the words, Amen, gift received, to the Lord be with you also, and also with you. It turned into another kind of back and forth. That was not its intention. There are salutations and... uh, that the Lord be with you and with your spirit. It happens before the, ser- the praying and the service of the word. It happens at the beginning of communion. And it happens, Tony Prochaska, it happens a third time. Does that surprise you? No. No? <laughs> it happens at the very end of the service with the benediction. All of those are uh, important sacramental acts that, uh, uh, that that go with it. Um, So, after the peace of the Lord be with you. Amen. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, grant us thy peace. There it is again. Uh, Yes... We do understand the forgiveness of sins. We do understand the peace that God is giving out. And yet, it is a continual need that we speak of the mercy that we need. We never get to the point where we don't. And that we might receive the, uh, the peace. On your sheet, which you have in front of you, is John 1.29. That's where it comes from. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What about this? Uh, This is in connection with John baptizing Jesus and being designated as uh, behold this is my son pointing him out and then John says with this that we ought to recognize that he is the Lamb of God who has come. Why do we call him a lamb? The the lambs were sacrificed. Exodus 12 is the next passage that you have on your sheet. Going back, Moses called for all the elders of Israel, said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Ah, the Passover lamb. This was the final uh, of the ten plagues the final sacrifice by which they were uh, left Egypt again and again you can see and I give you two or three more passages where Jesus is the lamb of God who takes us out of slavery he's the one who had to die on our place like the Passover lamb that had the blood on the doorpost they went in and were saved we come into the church through Jesus blood and so we are saved the passover first corinthians 5 verse 7 therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened for indeed christ our passover was sacrificed for us he suffered and died that's what we're recognizing we're recognizing that jesus is that final one and here he is giving us uh the benefits of his sacrifice the sacrifice happened back on Good Friday, it happened there, but we're receiving the body and blood for forgiveness. Bottom of the page, First Peter 1, 19 and 20, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. God determined that it would be this way at the very beginning, and then he prophesied of it by having the Passover lamb. Jesus then comes at the right time and is revealed to be who it is. We recognize he is that one and he is giving us uh, what he has done for us on the cross. He's giving out in Lord's Supper. So uh, we ask he would have mercy, have mercy, he would grant us uh, the, the peace of his uh, suffering turn the page over Isaiah 53 verse 7 uh, Isaiah says he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he was led as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before it shears is silent so he opened not his mouth describing uh, our Jesus as that sheep and then verse 12 of Isaiah 53 therefore I will divide him a portion of with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors Jesus suffered and died we remember his death but we remember him making peace for us we remember him having risen from the dead and telling the disciples, uh, peace uh, be with you, we recognize that this is a proclamation of he who is the peace. At Luther's time, the elements themselves, at various times, they had what was called an elevation. They were lifted up. Lifted up. Um, Luther... At the beginning said, Well, I'd kind of like to make that go away, but I, I don't want to offend uh the people. We'll leave we'll have it, we'll leave it for a time. Several years later, uh he remarks about this and says, in effect, I'm glad I didn't make it go away. He said, Because it's not a I'm offering this up to you, God, it's not a sacrifice. Here, Lord, let me offer you up this sacrifice. Luther said, when the pastor holds this up, what is he doing? Showing, showing forth. He's showing forth what? His death until he comes. Right. Here is, you know, uh, your peace, peace of the Lord. Here it is. Uh, it is for you. And so just as, let's go back, words of institution, the pastor now proclaims this with a chant that all might hear and we all might be drawn. The lifting up is the same kind of thing. It is a proclamation. It's a drawing attention to what now is we are receiving. I remember um, one of my good pastors telling me that it was similar to the the, snake, the serpent being raised on the stick. Yes. And Correct. The people looking to it. And might be like, safe. Right, so that we too uh, 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 might, might might do that with that being said it's, it's time to receive it's time for distribution it's time to uh, give out uh, that which has uh, been prepared for us uh, that's a part of the use there are some mistakenly that that When they read these words that said, well, the reception, you know, is the important part of it. Well, that's right. But some have said, well, I don't think it becomes the body and blood of Christ until you receive it. Mm -hmm. It's called receptionism kind of thing. No, it it is before, but, you know, if we don't receive, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, It needs to be received. There are some passages, and I've been pulling out some of them from. You might remember our blue sheet that had all of the scriptural references for the parts of the liturgy. It's interesting. They pull out uh, Matthew 14 as well as Mark 6. Matthew 14. And Jesus commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. It's talking about the feeding of the 5,000. And it's talking about what literally happened that day. Uh, Jesus uh, took the bread, gave to each of them, and then they went out and gave. They're likening that to the Lord's Supper, in which the minister says the words... And then he is the one who is distributing or giving out uh, that which has been prepared for us. It's true. I mean, it's a connection. uh, That's not the reason why we do it that way. We do it that way because the pastor is the manager for the mysteries of God. He's the steward. He's the one that wants to make sure that things happen the way they should. If it was small enough... I would simply be the one who gives out the Lord's body with the bread and the Lord's blood with the cup of blessing, with the wine, and, and I would do it all. We've recognized over, over the years that at times the, uh, we need a little help in this distribution. Uh, there may be that a retired pastor or someone else who is ordained can assist. At that point, we refer to the person who is saying the words of institution as the celebrant. He is the one who is in charge. All of the others, then, are his assistants, Uh, and and so they also help. There may be times when you don't have that. I may need an elder or someone else. He becomes another hand of mine in giving this out. One of the things, though, and I don't know if you've ever noticed in connection with it, that... Uh, the minis- the celebrant, the one who has said the words, the one who is in charge of the Lord's Supper that day, he is always the one who takes the body, the bread, uh, and comes and uh, admits to the table. So that that is the act of saying, yes, I recognize you are in one, in fellowship with us. I don't know of any uh, gross or manifest sins that would exclude you from this to receive to come in uh, if someone else is to assist with me then they would be another hand giving out to those whom I have admitted to the table and would, would follow after with, with that um, usually if you're not an ordained uh, person and giving this out you normally remain silent you simply hand out where I direct uh, but allow that which is the, uh, the minister to, to, to speak those words. Third passage down, Matthew 26, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Yeah, we do sing hymns uh, during the distribution. Uh, we could have silence. We could have whatever. And that seems to be a a good place to include those so that, you might say, we get the most bang for the buck for those who come to receive Lord's Supper. They not only get to receive, but when they're not receiving, uh, they can be singing the words of Scripture themselves. We have examples as well. Exodus 15. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And so where there is exodus, where there is deliverance, where there is salvation, God's people often sing the praises of God in the midst of their deliverance or uh, in connection with Lord's Supper. That would would make sense. There are many different passages that talk about uh, praising Christ. There was a communion psalm uh, that changed. uh, uh, When we have a... Uh, canter that can do that we've kind of included that which is, has been helpful uh, you could just sing hymns but that, that also might be able to include some more psalms that go with it alright so that gets us pretty well through the distribution uh, when we come back next time we'll take a look at uh, the dismissal uh, the noctimittis no lord now let your servant go in peace and the ending question all right let us pray heavenly father we give thanks to you for your gift of this supper and we are thankful that in receiving our lord's body and blood uh, that we learn of the peace that he is giving out uh, that we might receive it with uh, thanksgiving and that we might show it in love towards our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray.